Hey, you're listening to the Burnt Out Entrepreneur Podcast, where you'll learn why you're feeling so burnt out, some insights and hacks to get you along this entrepreneurial journey. I'm Kylie Yotel, former oil and gas manager, turned health coach, life coach, and business mentor for female entrepreneurs just like you and help them heal and recover from burnout. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Burnt Out Entrepreneur Podcast. Today, I'm here with Emily Lewis, who is a unlikely worthiness coach who specializes in helping people stop feeling like they aren't enough, they can confidently be themselves. Through her coaching and her podcast, Abundant Grace, she helps people get breakthroughs in their relationship with God and themselves and own their worthiness and live with bold confidence. Thank you, Emily, for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Kylie. I'm so glad to be here. Exciting. And I know we've We've talked so much about burnout in general, but also just our relationship with God and like how uh, just I love your Instagram feed where you talk about the worthiness factor, especially for us as Christians. Because sometimes I was just talking about this uh, this weekend with someone and uh, she shared her testimony at this women's ministry event. And she grew up Catholic and like there's this whole big worthiness factor that comes with the religious church, you know, and, and that's like how it's built in. And we're talking about religion versus relationship when it comes to worthiness. And I know there's a lot of people probably listening to this podcast who maybe grew up in some form of religion and have let their faith go because of the expectations and like all the check boxes that we have mm-hmm. feel we have to uh, submit to in order to be worthy of calling ourselves a Christian or just calling ourselves worthy of being in God's presence. Like even in the church, there are a lot of people that I know who grew up in the faith and they don't even feel worthy to step into church these days. Wow. I told you, I think that's a really good point where we get to the place where we don't feel we're even worthy to go to a church. You hear the saying, like, well, the roof will cave in if I walk in. Ha ha ha. I'm making jokes. Like, totally fine. But it's rooted in some kind of insecurity in us because the way that God or God's people have represented themselves, I don't blame people for not wanting anything to do with him. But what's unfortunate, if you walk away is sometimes we still have that shame, that shame of like, well, I'm still unworthy. I don't really subscribe to that anymore, but I'm still carrying around baggage as if I walked in the doors of a church, if I darkened the doors of a church, that that messaging and that unworthiness is actually still following us, even if we don't recognize it. And I do love, and especially the name of your podcast, Abundant Grace, that speaks volumes to our worthiness it has nothing to do with us our righteousness is as filthy rags but it's the abundant grace of god that allows us to you know to come into his presence and be who we are and be able to have that relationship with a loving god and he's not a persecutor like this he mm-hmm. actually loves us and wants us to succeed and i relate that to um how we were brought up sometimes you have very authoritative parents that kind of emphasize or just reiterates those uh, religious tendencies where if you don't toe the line it's if like we hear it in church and we hear it in the home and that 
relates to the burnout archetypes because there are, there, with the four archetypes, there are different ways that each archetype has adapted to achieving success. And right there, the perfectionist who um, really sometimes is paralyzed and can't really move forward if everything's not perfect. Then you have the powerhouse type who is very success-driven and want uh, 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 their success is externally motivated or driven because they're like, well, if I get enough accolades, then I'm worthy. You know, so that's the other reason why I wanted to bring up the uh, and uh, how it relates to the archetypes because when we are living in this sense of unworthiness, and like I said, each archetype presents in their own in their own way, but it, it just attributes to the burnout. <laughs> because we have, we all have different reasons why we're doing what we're doing. You approach it differently, but when our motivation, whether it's perfectionism or powerhouse or the other archetypes, when we're approaching our goals or our tasks with a motivation of, I just want to prove, whether we recognize it or not, but I don't, we don't always say, I just want to prove, we just want to get it just right. We want to measure up or we want to be successful or we want to hit that goal. Whatever is we're driving at, our motivation can be trying to prove to ourselves or to others that we're enough. Yes. When we flip that on its head and start from a place of love, acceptance, and already worthiness, it radically shifts how we show up and how we operate in the world. And we can still be a powerhouse. You can still go after those goals, but now you're not doing it to prove something or measure right. up. You're doing it yes. because it's within your wheelhouse. Yes. Because that's the thing, right? With each archetype, there's a very uh, thin line between both sides of the coin. But once we settle that worthiness part, we're not going to be driven to the point of exhaustion because, you know, the exhaustion comes from being, I don't want to say externally motivated, but um, there are external factors that are driving us, said the proof, the enoughness, the worthiness. But once we feel enough, on the inside, then we're coming, we're approaching our goals from a healed space because we already are enough for our goals aren't toxic. And we're, and it, it becomes, we achieve success from this healthy space versus a toxic space. Yeah. So good. Love that. Just about like how to, how trying to fit in or prove our worthiness is it's just a recipe for exhaustion. And I'm raising my hand. That was my recipe for my burnout. Right? Mm. I was working uh, and I just recently took my uh, oh shoot, the, my four tendencies quiz. Gretchen Rubin popped up and I was like, I wonder what my tendencies are. Because right, I love personality quizzes. Right. I created my own. <laughs> and I came up as the obliger. I was like, oh. Oh, so I'm very externally driven. The thing, right? I'm externally driven, but like inner, my inner man is not that driven. Not that driven, but it's it's also why I go to the gym and I take classes because if I, I've gone to the gym where the class was canceled, then like I'm here, let's do something. I'm like I have no idea what to do, <laughs> or like kind of what to do, but I really love following a template, a pattern. Because it, it helps me to know that I'm going in the right direction. So yeah, external 
factor for me is is one of my bigger motivators and I get that but as long as we understand that, that is part of what's driving us then it can also help with mitigating the exhaustion that comes mm-hmm. with those patterns it's not wrong to want other people to like us. it's not wrong for us to want a blueprint it's not wrong for us to have those motivations but if we let them drive us to the point where we're not listening, where we're out of step, where we're completely doing things for validation. Now we're, now we're headed towards exhaustion and burnout where it's healthy to want other people's approval. And that might sound weird and wrong at first, but we're wired for connection. We're wired for, for belonging. So it's part of built in nature, not to be like, not to be all off on our own, I can do this. I don't need other people. That's probably a trauma response if we're like, I don't need anybody else. But we do need other people to love us and accept us. The tricky part is when we start shape-shifting or doing things only to make other people rather than showing up as ourselves and letting that be enough to be loved. I hear you on the shape-shifting and as a child of divorce, you know, I shape-shifted a lot. Mm. Well, I can be a certain way at my mom's house, and I can be a certain way at my dad's house because this is acceptable here. This is not acceptable here. And mm. we talked about it on another podcast where um, where one of the guests, she, was, she would sing show tunes at one house. And then she would not dare sing a peep at the other house. And it wasn't something conscious because I didn't realize I was conscious. I was doing these things consciously. I was like, this is just the way that we behave here in this environment. And this is just the way that we behave here in this environment. And so I once got into the coaching world and like motivating factors and understanding what drives us and the psychology. Then I was like, oh, Huh, this is what was driving my behavior. And we don't understand it's happening all subconsciously. And the brains are fascinating where it really tries to protect us. Like that being a lone wolf or rebel or whatever is a trauma response. And sometimes we don't recognize that. And yet there's a strength to wanting to do things yourself or very self-motivated, self-driven. All right, there's pluses and minuses to every, every uh, I guess, facet of our personalities that as long as we harness them. We find the harmony and the balance yes. in it rather than yeah. the So is there a way how you work with your clients? Is there a way that you help them to lease these expectations? And um, how do we let these things go? I think we have to start by recognize. Well, we have to start by recognizing that they're there, and then yeah. it's usually helpful to figure out where they came from or what's the story attached to them. We might not get all the way down to the childhood one moment memory. We might not get there, but if we understand where this messaging came from or what we're trying to achieve, a lot for a lot of us. We're trying to achieve worthiness because we want to be accepted. We have fears of judgment and fear of rejection. That's motivating us to live up to certain expectations 
Or if we're internally motivated, we want to be seen as good or we want to be good. We have this standard for ourselves that some days is realistic and other days is like a taskmaster where we just like set ourselves up for failure by saying, I have to reach perfection or I have to send 20 messages today or I have to like ever get in this like all or nothing. But back to the motivation, it's because we want to be good or we want to be accepted, want to escape judgment or self-judgment. So identifying why am I doing what I'm doing is really helpful because somebody else can be doing it for um, validation and somebody else can be doing it because it's within their like wheelhouse of skills. And we have to be able to delineate between the two and what's healthy for ourselves. First yeah. step in releasing those expectations is kind of understanding the why behind us setting that expectation for ourselves in the first place. Yeah. No. That's such a good question. Actually, the, the why am I doing what I'm doing? I think that was the question or form of it when that, you know, I was talking earlier about how I started to recognize my patterns. Like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Very recently, I got into a conversation with someone that triggered me. And then I started to realize all these sensations happening in my body, how my body was transmuting that energy if that makes sense your mm-hmm. hands were shaking caffeine mm-hmm. <laughs> could feel things moving through my body and i was like oh and um i'll be honest before before i started allowing myself to feel feel all the feels because i grew up with a lot of trauma I grew up with a lot of faking it and faking the funk and Children are seen, not heard. You know, uh, grew up in a performing arts family. A lot of it was just performance, like a performance mm. spirit. So expectations were always there. Like, keep peace, keep harmony. We're, we we have a front to put on, even though it wasn't ever verbally expressed. It was the nonverbal expressions that mm. drove that thinking, and I didn't realize that that's what had been driving my perfectionism and driving my success, having all of these pretenses put up. Because when I felt maybe it was anger, transmuting the energy through my body, my hands started shaking. I think I was some before because I wasn't allowing myself to feel any emotion. I was like, why is this triggering me? It wasn't, it wasn't even like that, like a bad thing. But yet now I'm able to feel it in my body and I was like because I had peeled off some of these layers mm-hmm. of the performance spirit and I was like oh okay and it's okay for me to feel this way wasn't okay for me to feel these things growing up it's like oh well, well you shouldn't be angry at that he didn't mean it <laughs> and think yeah. that we're you know, as a child feelings aren't validated and we're asked to suppress and then i think that also relates to church hurt where we're not allowed to express things that maybe we're feeling some kind of dissonance and okay that's what the pastor says but yet i saw the pastor not being kind to his neighbor and then right as, as children we bring up these these dissonances our parents are like Shh. Right, and it it messes with our brain. It's like a, a little form of gaslighting, almost. That's what I was thinking too. I think it's hard for us to recognize some of these, like I said, because they're nonverbal. 
they're just patterns that were in our house or in our church or in our school or wherever, wherever you got that from. It was just pattern. It was established probably pretty young. We don't cry or we don't, don't do these things. And we internalize that. And then we can become, you said, very numb to what's going on inside because we're just acting out of the status quo of what we think we're supposed to be. And one of the problems with dissonance, like I said, from a spiritual leader is it messes with our discernment and our ability to actually see something because we start gaslighting ourselves. They didn't really, they didn't say that. Did I really see that? Is that how it is? And they can be saying one thing and acting another way. And in our little hearts and minds, and even our adult hearts and minds, immediately we want to reconcile the two because we don't chaos in our brains. Our our brains want everything organized very neatly, like pigeonhole everything until closing those open loops. We're closing those open loops. We're jumping to conclusions all over the place for peace. That's how we knew to be at peace was to not ask the questions, to immediately make a conclusion. Everything's fine and dismiss and have that dissonance towards what's actually happening. And you related it back to like spiritual abuse and I'll relate it back to exhaustion. We miss the cues from our body. We miss the cues that our body is like, excuse me, we're tired. You should take a nap. And we're like, no, 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 this project has to get done. Or we're like missing the cues um, because we're just going, going forward towards our goal as if that's what matters. And we're like silencing the emotions and silencing the needs. And it's become this new normal or the norm. No, like dissonance, dissonance is normal. (laughs) Mm. No. Or you're not actually feeling, uh, I'll just say like, I feel like there's a lot of us who gaslight ourselves. Yep. It, it stems, usually stems from when we have been gaslit. And then it's those same words that are repeated over and over in our brains. And usually when we're berating ourselves, it's like, oh, whose voice are you hearing? And then that will give you a clue to where the source of that gaslighting or that dissonance came from. And then you know, for us as Christians, the tool that God gives us is forgiveness. Because I've done a lot of forgiving this year. We lost my grandmother earlier this year. And then, of course, anytime there's a big death in the family, I feel like all the skeletons start coming out of the closet. <laughs> and not much in our family, but the um, I, I I was just looking at my, I don't know, that's just how I do. I get very self-reflective mm-hmm. at funerals. And I think most of us do, but what is the meaning of life and what's my purpose especially losing the matriarch of our family and she was the one that was really highly you're so whatever you're so talented you're so pretty you should do pageants and should do this and you should do hula and <laughs> okay grandma and mm-hmm. and uh but just like, losing was really the matriarch that kind of the glue that held our family together and um, family is intact because my mom has a really great relationship with her sisters. But still, like, having that, tra- you know, doing that transition makes you really think about like, what is the purpose? And it's kind of like, well, what would grandma do? Just what would Jesus do? But like, what would grandma do in this situation? <laughs> oh, right? 
And so it's just I have been the majority of this year after she passed in the spring. It's just like, well, what is what is my purpose and like are my goals? Because there's um, all right, it's the beginning of the year. We're doing our goal setting and resolution setting, or whatever you do. However, you clean your slate for the new year. And I say I took that time in the spring to do that, to do that evaluation. And uh, and for me, it was cleansing my goal palette, if that makes sense. Cleansing my expectations of myself. Mm -hmm. It's like when I die and when I get on my deathbed, what do I want to be known for? Do I want to be known for that, that's the other reason why I left my corporate job. I want to be known for being oil and gas manufacturer. No, <laughs> that's his job. But, you know, how would I feel as a coach transforming people's lives and making an impact on these individuals and the ripple effect that it will have on their families? And if, if I change, I, I was talking to someone, go through all of these, like this coaching and branding workshops and whatever and one of these workshops, I remember telling someone, it starts with the mom. If I can heal the mom, I can heal the world. Because mm. when we are whole as mothers, then we can impact the next generation. And then the next, once that next generation is healed and they don't have the generational trauma getting passed down to them and they can grow up healthy and whole, then that's going to just shift my bloodline all the yes. way down the line. And I was like, if I can just heal the moms, then I could heal the world. And I was like, oh, one of those. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I recently heard a quote and she didn't know where it was from, but she was recently on my podcast. Brittany Clarkson quoted it. And it was something like, uh, it's, it can be so hard to grow and heal because it requires grieving our past selves. And I thought that was so powerful because we don't give ourselves much space for grief in our culture. So busy and we're so fast and we don't like to talk about emotions. There's like all of the things we're talking about where we forget to grieve and grieve without shame, just like grieve who we used to be, what we used to believe, maybe some things that we haven't done. And like you said, forgiveness and letting ourselves heal is required for like that next step, that next, that next growth, whether that's radical rest is that next step for you because you're burnt out, or maybe it's a big move in your business, or maybe it's just loving the people where you're at, like being planted in your neighborhood, in your family, with your people, whatever your next thing is, it might require, might require that grief and that processing of those motivate those past motivations, Uh, before you can shift to new, healthier expectations. Speaking of grief, how, because this year I have been grieving and Mm -hmm. I've been doing all of the grieving, grieved death in the family, grieving a a loss of a past self. I dropped um, project management side of my business and only focusing on the coaching side. Right, that was a big shift. And I did through, I did go through a grieving period, although it took me two quarters to realize that that's what I had been doing. Mm. I had been grieving and I was going through this whole brand identity shift, in, which is, it's, it's a whole thing for us as entrepreneurs. Like we're switching 
niches, when we're switching, even design avatars, our offers, whatever, it is this whole shift. And like so a lot of us forget to grieve mm-hmm. what, you know, what we've left behind. And is there a way that you recommend to us or your clients how we can really set ourselves up to allow that grieving process to happen? Mm. Wow. I don't think that's something I've ever been asked and it's not something that's come up a lot in coaching, but um, to give ourselves the space to feel is, is still tied into not doing things the way that we're quote unquote supposed to. There are, there's so many expectations. Um, J.S. Park talks a lot about grief. He has a grief, a book coming out, I think later this year, 2023, um, about grief, but he's a hospital chaplain and he talks about how grief comes out all sideways, the way we view it. Some Uh people are just stoic and silent. Other people are wailing. Other people are screaming or punching or mad or like, there's all these different ways. It's just not one way to do it. And that opens up so much freedom to me to just do it the way that works for you. Not what you think is supposed to work for you, (laughs) but what actually works for you. And like, if we are going through that grieving process, how do we let others around us know that that's what we need? That we are in a grieving process and we need space. Because I didn't realize that that's what I needed until like a couple of months ago. And then I told my coaches, my mentors, and I told my husband, and I said, I'm grieving. Because I didn't, I didn't realize what was happening. I'm like, I'm, I'm off my game, feeling funky. I don't know. I couldn't put a word on it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't quantify what was happening. I just felt off, like kilter. Well, pretty much like my game, I said. And I realized, I was like, oh, I'm processing so many different emotions. One of them is grief. And once I, had, I admitted it to the core people in my world, I was like, oh, I'm processing grief. Then they're like, oh, okay, so that's, uh, I know something mm-hmm. was happening. Yeah. How do we let people know what we need? Well, that is a tricky question, I think. It seems like simple. You just tell them what you need. But like you said, it starts with even recognizing what, I, what I'm going through. And in order to communicate what you need, you have to know that that person is basically safe, a safe person. Because if we're worried about our worthiness, we're worried about us being perceived as strong or a certain way or good. It's because we um, are risking vulnerability is risking what that person thinks about us. And we might have to be willing to risk that. So we can communicate and ask for what we need. And that's, that's all like that confidence piece at the end when we understand our worthiness and who we already are in Christ. And it's not something that we're trying to go out and achieve and earn and prove. It's something that we already have. Then we can confidently be like, Hey, this is what I need. Confidently asking for what our, what we need, confidently setting boundaries, confidently going after our goals without fear of success or failure. It's all comes back together. And I, I know like once we are comfortable with that self-expression piece, then that's where we have the confidence to show up in our businesses and to show up the, with purpose, with integrity, and not feeling off our game. Right. Right. The economy shifts and so 
things are shifting and it's like are we in shifting sand <laughs> in this and like the bible says i cannot build on shifting sand we have to build on the rock and the rock is jesus christ but also how can we build our lives on the, the confidence of that rock or right. rock of confidence i'm so glad you said because I was just, as you started to say that, I was like, we're building on Christ, but we're also building on what he says is true. Are we going to believe what he says about us or not? And jumping back to the very beginning, we were talking about religious contexts and systems that have made us feel like less than. That's not how God looks at us. Religion sits down like it's somehow super holy to beat yourself up. Yes. Talk about how horrible of a person and sinner you are. When God never meant for that to be our identity or our label, you referenced um, righteousnesses as filthy rags, but we aren't the filthy rags. That's that's not us. That might be on us. That might be, but it's never impacting our worth and value either because it's not have anything to do with a valuable person. Yeah. The way that um, I just thought now was, well, so in the biblical context, the filthy rags are basically soiled feminine products. Right? If we're looking at the direct translation, so basically clothing yourself with a used tampon. Mm. And like, okay, I'm worthy because, and it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Not to be so TMI, but right, that's what it is. It's like we're mm. taking these external things and trying wow. to clothe ourselves with righteousness but where we're grabbing the righteousness from is from the trash wow and wow instead god is excuse me can you take that off it's like adam and eve in the garden sow us some fig leaves we'll be better that'll that'll fix everything and god's like no no stop you were created in my image let's go this direction now it's like but we've already been created in god's image it's not something we have to add to or earn or earn. Mm. So uh, I know that you have something to help our listeners to really regain that confidence. Mm-hmm. It's not, and I know it doesn't only apply to Christians, but how uh, can we recover that rock of confidence that maybe we've lost? And I feel like even for those of us who are pretty rock solid for a lot um, of our lives, I feel like pandemic kind of just... Whoosh, Mm-hmm. Um, someone on a Bible study this morning I was listening to was like, we are not our pre-pandemic selves. And everything that happened in the world really shook our confidence mm-hmm. in our businesses and in our, in the economy is right. We can only be as confident in our businesses as the economy is from a worldly perspective. If the economy mm-hmm is not solid, then like, how do we build a business around a, an economy that is sinking sand? Mm. Really, um, so how, how can you help our listeners today with rebuilding that confidence, not around the shifting economy or what's happening in the world, but how can we really build it on something that is solid and immutable and unchanging? I have a video for your listeners with five keys to 
being more confident. Do you want to stop feeling less than, or you want to stop hiding? That's something that is huge that happens when we're not confident is like shrink back. We lower our voice a little bit and we are maybe a little more timid and we like, maybe don't promote ourselves here. We don't show up there. We play small and I don't want that for you. I don't, I want every person listening to this to be living your full potential to be playing all out. In this video, there's five keys to help you be more confident. You can get that at emilyklewis.com forward slash burnt out. And that's Emily, the letter K. And my last name is L-O-U-I-S.com forward slash burnt out. And there's, we can't get enough of these resources because as entrepreneurs, what I, what I teach all the time is we, as a CEO, are the biggest asset in our business. If we're shaky, we're unconfident, then or we're not confident, then that we don't have that solid base. There's nothing to grow our businesses on. That's why having that unshakable confidence is key, not only to your business, but also to prevent burnout. Because I've seen work with some clients and I'm talking about like my, my higher tier clients, you know, that when we were chasing profits, it really became this thing where like, their business was not shaky. And it's not that they, they weren't confident in themselves. Uh, the economy had shifted and it felt like we were, you know, we were chasing. We didn't have a solid strategy or the strategy kept shifting because we're shifting with the economy and um, for us to have that level of confidence and like, you know, this is where I need to go. This is the direction that I need to go for my business. This is how I want to go. Having confidence is the stability factor that's needed in your business, especially to prevent burnout. Chasing and chasing and chasing. (laughs) You have to start from that place of worthiness and who you already are instead of chasing external factors to measure. Okay. And if you like what we talked about today, like I alluded to in the beginning, go follow Emily on Instagram, TikTok. She puts out fire content about how we can really shift our identities and really understand who we are as God's creation and be comfortable and confident in our own skin as entrepreneurs and be able to grow from that base. Thank you, Emily, for being here today. Guys, this is such a good conversation. Thank you, Kylie. I love I love this topic. It's so important. I want to see reference when you change the mom, when, when the mom grows and heals, everything shifts. And I want to see women's relationship with themselves and God absolutely revolutionize. Amen. Go find her at emily.abundantgrace on Instagram and TikTok to go look at some of her posts because they, they're they really mindset-shifting posts. I love them. Thank you, yeah. Emily. Thanks, Kylie. Have a great rest of your day. Okay, see you guys again. Bye.